Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Command Space on 5x5. My name is Mike Hurley. Today I am joined by Mr. Guy English. Hi, Guy. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, sir. Today is a very special day for Command Space. We are one year old this week. <laughs> so, congratulations to me, I guess. <laughs> That's good. Happy birthday, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so the show uh, started on the 1st of August last year, and today is the 31st, so we have our one-year anniversary today, and I couldn't think of a better person to have with me on today's show than you. So, Guy, who are you? What do you like to be known for? <laughs> um, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, I write occasionally at Kicking Bear. Mostly I'm a software developer. Um. Currently, I'm shipping an app called Napkin, which is, I suppose, my most visible software that we've got right now. My my, my company is called Agent Distilled with my buddy uh, Chris Parrish. And you have a a history in video games, right? I do, yeah. So I've been, you know, working for quite a while now, and I've spent about a decade doing uh, working in the video games industry, primarily the PC video games industry. Uh, but then at Ubisoft doing a bit of stuff on the PSP and some other console stuff. Um, but yeah, my background is basically video games for like a long time until I got kind of sick of that and uh, jumped into making Mac desktop software. <laughs> so what, um, I mean, I've heard, I've heard you on some other stuff and we'll talk about this in a bit, um, but I know that you have worked on some, like you've worked on iOS games and stuff like that, which we'll get to in a bit. Yeah. But I know that your history comes from console development. I know I've heard you speak about developing yeah. for the Vita. So, so before that, I started at a company here in Montreal called, like a tiny, tiny company called uh, Strategy First, uh, which, and the first game I worked on was a um, an Age of Sail simulator uh, that ran on Windows and, well, it originally ran on DOS, but it was a... Uh, like a, a fake 2D, you know, the original Doom mm-hmm. engine? Like it was all sort of fake 3D kind of stuff. Like that was the way that we we did the engine. Um, sort of like the first Wing Commanders. Like the boats were all uh, sort of 3D sprites kind of thing that would just scale up. Um, and then I worked on another couple of projects for them. Uh, the one that I did the entire engine for was called Nexagon. None of these are big hits, which is why I'm not surprised nobody... <laughs> Nobody heard about it. Um, but, you know, we worked in that for like a long time. Uh, and then I started doing, uh, I did some contracting for a while before I landed at uh, Ubisoft, where I did uh, sort of the bring up for their PSP development right around the time that the first dev kits for the PSP were fielded. Did you work on any notable games that you were allowed to say? I don't know. It's a, it's a yeah, company, so for right? the PSP stuff, I worked on. Um, uh, Splinter Cell. Oh, cool. I w- worked on Star Wars. Uh, I worked on a boxing game, Rocky. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff that um, I worked on. Um, Those are three games that I've played. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That's That's yeah good. My younger brother loved PSP. Um, oh, really? And okay. he would buy so many games for it. So obviously, you know, I would sort of steal it from him every now and again and, and play some of them. Like, I I, I really like the, uh, I really love the PS Vita. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't tried one. I re- I just like the, there's two things that I like about it. I mean, I like the, the sort of the, the size of it, the screen, like, and I like the dual thumbsticks. I actually think that's quite a nice, um, nice mm-hmm. method of play. But I like that you can download so many games directly to it. And I like that about yeah. the 3DS as well that you can get these mainstream consoles, handheld consoles, and you can download these games like directly to them. I, you know, I, I'm not really, especially in the App Store world now, I'm not really big on going to a store and buying a game anymore. Right, that's, I mean, that's kind of old school these days. Um, that is a huge advantage because the PSP had those UMD um, discs, mm-hmm. which were kind of cool and kind of a huge pain in the ass. Um, so, so one of the things I did for the PSP was to do the, uh, the streaming audio, and it's um, so in a game like Splinter Cell or the Star Wars games, um, it, the audio is dependent upon, like the music's dependent upon what's happening in the game, right? So if stuff heats up, then the music will switch to a different track, and those UMDs have a two-second seek time, 
and you've only got a little bit of memory. So you would end up doing crazy, crazy stuff, trying to buffer up all of this audio and a little bit of memory in, in order to keep those UMDs working without, you know, without getting a major lag in the game. So, so yeah, you, anything you that has to, to do like with downloading and like solid state storage, I, I love it. <laughs> so if you wanted to like change the audio track, there would be a delay there? Well, there wouldn't because um, I did a lot of work to make sure there wouldn't be. Yeah, that's but, yeah, your skills, just like right? so, it, from the beginning, like if you got to, the, if you ever got to, the, there was two layers on the disc, and if you ever got to the end of the disc, and you had to bring the the read head right back to the beginning, and you've seen those discs, they're mm-hmm. I don't know, a couple of inches big, they're not huge. They're like tiny just, CDs yeah. in a plastic case. Exactly, yeah. Um, but seeking the head from the beginning of that, from the end of that disc into into the center would take two seconds, which is mind boggling. But that's yeah, that's that's really strange that. They would do. That. I mean, they had movies on these things as well. I can't see mm-hmm. how that worked very well. Um, well, because the, the trick is you keep buffering. You've got more than a two-second buffer. So if you're doing a movie, it's not so bad because you could buffer, let's say, five seconds ahead. So you'll never you'll you'll always have in the worst case scenario you'll eat two seconds of your buffer and still have three seconds ready. Right? Uh, it gets really bad when you're trying to do things dynamically. So, right. Anyway, it was an interesting system. It was kind of kind of wacky. The screen on the dev kits was amazing. It was the best see- screen I'd seen since uh, until the iPhone came out, and then they changed it up right before production. Got kind of, I mean, it wasn't a bad screen on the PSP, but it was nowhere near as nice as the one that they had on the initial dev kits. So I can only imagine you developed things for this amazing screen, and the screen changed, and it's like, oh, oh yeah, they screwed us <laughs> in all kinds of ways. The dev kits were at three hundred thirty-three megahertz. And like a week before shipping, they dropped them down to 222. Wow. Yeah, that kind of stank. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, yeah. They took up a mega memory at 1.2 for the operating system that they didn't tell us about. They, it would, it, as much as people like to complain about Apple, it's, man, it's, it's a luxury working on iOS platforms. They're amazing. Since day one, even. Why is that? Um... Uh, well, Apple knows software, and Sony kind of hacked it together. Um, they tried to do a good job. Their documentation looked awesome, and they're especially compared to uh, PSP, or sorry, PSP, PS2 programming, PlayStation stuff. The PSP looked really nice. The thing is that the docs just didn't match what the software actually did. Like the docs were <laughs> best intention, and the software is effectively just kind of, you know, you know, wishful thinking. So you may as well have just tried to use the the PSP documentation with like the DS or something. Yeah, it wasn't quite that bad. I mean, the worst thing about it was that the documentation made it seem really reasonable, um, and then things just wouldn't work that way. So you'd write your, you know, you'd write according to the docs, assuming that there was some kind of weird bug in the operating system that you could work around with the next release, and then no, it just never ever changed, or you know, something else would break. Or interesting times. Did you go from Ubisoft to Tapulous? So I was never at Tapulous. I went from Ubisoft to Rogue Amoeba, right. which is a Mac app, uh, Mac, you know, independent Mac developer. Mm-hmm. And for them, I did a, a radio recording app, like an internet radio app, uh, where there's an online guide that we licensed, and uh, you could it basically worked like TiVo. You could browse the guide that we made to look like sort of like iTunes, and then you could you know, like a podcast, you just subscribe to it and the app would automatically connect to the stream and start recording at the right time whenever the show was on. This was before sort of podcasts were ubiquitous, right? It's this radio shift. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. radio shift. It's been since been discontinued. But, I used yeah. to use radio shift, I think, to record Twitch shows. Oh, back cool. in the day. Yeah. That's interesting. What like Leo didn't have a the podcast, or what do you call? He calls them a netcast, right? Yeah, it was the. Rec- I was kind of a bit nerdy about it, and sometimes the live stuff was different to the recorded oh, stuff. Or, yeah, 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 you know, or I didn't want to wait yeah. for the. <laughs> for I, it to I come no, out, I do or... the same thing. When I see a show's on live and I'm not doing anything, I'll, I'll often tune in just yeah. to, you know, because the stuff at the beginning and the end, and you know, you, you, you get to hear all the good bits that get edited out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, so you, you were at Rogue Amoeba and you worked on Radio Shift. Yeah, so I was at Rogue Amoeba, worked on Radio Shift, um, and then the iPhone came out, and I was totally in love with that. Um, and eventually, like a 
just before the SDK was announced, um, my pal Mike Lee got me in touch with the, the Tapulous guys um, to come and sort of advise them as they were getting their, their stuff together. Because to, they, what they'd done is that they'd bought a bunch of, um, what are they called, like jailbreak apps. And they brought in a bunch of guys from the jailbreak world. And their idea was to rewrite them for the SDK and then release a bunch of them. Because Tap so Tap they, Revenge started as Tap Tap Revolution, didn't it? Y- it was yes, a jailbreak yeah. app. Uh, the guy called, a uh, very, very smart guy called uh, Nate True, got that going on, uh, the original jailbreak stuff. So they brought me on, and then I ended up, you know, they needed contracting work, and I just loved working on iOS. So I started doing that still while, uh, for a little bit while I was still at um, Rogue Amoeba. Um, and then I got involved in, uh, like at first I wasn't even doing tap tap. I figured out what I was doing like weird stuff, like the fortune cookie app or, you know, yep, little, that. just tweaky little stuff. You know? uh, I remember cause Tapulous were one of like the first, what appeared to be a company that did iOS development. Like, yeah. as you say, obviously it seemed like they were bringing together apps and building them legally, you know? <laughs> Um, in right. The, in the well, they had a huge the... head start because they bought up all of this jailbreak stuff, and they yeah. had a bunch of talent too. And uh, like Louis Mantia was there, the, the you know Mike Lee was there because uh, they did McKierney. a they did an app called I, th- I think was did they do that, a Twitter application? Yep, Twinkle, uh, Twinkle, Twinkle, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that, yeah. Wow, that had yeah, I worked on that for a bit too. Um, <laughs> We're going back back end at some point. <laughs> so because at the time Twitter would fall over all the time. So the idea was that if they could build a backend that was more reliable than Twitter, uh, you know, they'd, they'd be able to leverage that. And that backend went across a few apps too, so you could effectively tweet from a number of different apps, I believe, or at least that was the plan. Interesting times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny to think back. So, so what did you do on on Tap Tap Revenge? Like, what what sort of stuff did you do? So the game? first one. So I came in. They needed to ship the thing. Um, and I, you know, that I had, and I still have I've shipped a lot of software, so I'm kind of used to getting things out the door. Um, so I basically helped them like fix the bugs, turn it into uh, like an actual product that you could that you could ship and get out the door. The initial one was a giant hack, and I, and I mean that in a very loving way. Like it was like one giant file that needed to hacked up to make this cool game. So it was kind of unwieldy to 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 work with. Um, and there was a bunch of stuff that was weird too like things would happen on a background thread and then update the UI from the background thread and just it was it was kind of a mess so we ended up getting two versions of that out I think we did Tap Tap Revenge uh, which was a, an, you know a, one of the first really big hits on the on the app store um, and that got us a bunch of attention and um Bart and the Tapulous guys were smart enough to sort of try to leverage that to get like really big names. So the second one we did was, uh, I think it was Metallica. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, there was like a Metallica one that came out. Um, I forget what other, I think there could have been another one in there. There were loads. There were like... Um... Well, at one point, so that's the thing. There's maybe three or four with the original engine. All oh, right. Uh and it just ran out of steam. Like by the time we got Metallica out, I was uh, like, like Andrew, who was one of the Tapulous guys at the time, would you know he was on the phone with me. I was at like four in the morning, and they were like one in the morning their time. And it got like we were trying to get the, we were trying to get everything fixed basically, and it got so frustrating. Like it got to that point where, like we blew the deadline, and there was like, just a bunch of stress, and then it got to the point where it was just funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was so obvious that like you know we were all trying our best to get it out the door and it was just super exasperatingly broken in ways that it would it, it, you'd end up with the, that super exhaustion giggle like hey look it's totally broken <laughs> there's nothing we can do to fix it <laughs> uh, yeah exactly five in the morning it's totally broken and we're hosed ah oh, Christ um, but we finally got that one out and what I I, I basically told them that I wanted to rewrite write the graphics portion in OpenGL uh, because we were already running into sort of speed issues because initially it had been, it was all UI kit. Like all the little bubbles that fell down were basically buttons that you would tap on. Wow. Yeah. So it was wow. kind of, a, it was an awesome hack. But That's it incredible. Was kind of a hack, you know? Yeah. Um, 
so I told him I was going to do the graphics in OpenGL, but what I did is I went away and just rebuilt, like basically rebuilt the whole thing um, because it was kind of untenable. So that was Dance. That was like the, the one that came out as Tap Tap Dance. Oh, that was my uh, favorite, man. I loved that game. Oh, yeah? Great. Oh, I, I loved like that it, like, one. Yeah, we busted our ass on that because that's not just the end, but it had a bunch of different – it's the one that has uh, unique themes for different boss tracks and stuff. That was what I loved about it, like that some of the yeah. bigger songs would have their own – that the, the UI would change. Yeah, there was, there was a, a good, like the Daft Punk had, a, had yep. an interesting one. Um, the Justice. Justice had this crazy oh, – um, The Phantom sort of Remix. Almost, exactly, Incredible. Yeah. Loved yeah, it. Had it. Yeah, it had like a 2001 sort of effect going on. Mm -hmm. So that was the OpenGL engine. That was the debut of it. And we put a lot of work into doing a lot of interesting stuff with that. Um, and from then on, pretty much everything is just based on that engine. Make iterations with that engine. You can still buy Tap Tap Dance. Yeah, still works. Still in the store. Yeah. It's in the show notes too. I would recommend this one. <laughs> I mean, it was good that you... Uh, that you redid the engine, right? Because it's a game based on timing, and you can't, you can't uh, really it was, have that. It, it would have been untenable to ship any products without it, especially the way that they ended up going. Is um, like again, I wasn't working for them; I was a contractor. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what the distinction there is, except really, like I wasn't super involved in. Like I didn't do a lot of the design or anything. Uh, and I wasn't involved in the in the sort of the direction of the of the app or in securing any of the uh, the artists. Not like they they did a a huge amount of work and they did did really well with it. Yeah, still um, going. Uh, sorry, I forgot what I was going to say. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, are you are you still a gamer yourself? No, getting back into it. Uh, I quit games when I was still working at Ubisoft. I think. I just got, uh, I didn't get one of the, these current generations of consoles, and I was never a big console gamer. After I moved to the Mac, it kind of, there was a, not these days, but at the time, there was basically a lag between the games that would come out on the Mac, and I just stopped keeping a gaming PC around. Um, I got to the point where I was just analyzing everything, like trying to figure out how they did stuff rather than just enjoying the game. Oh, yeah. You know, I can see that. Yeah. I, I mean, because... I love podcasts, I love mm -hmm. listening to them, and I love being on them, but I know that I hear things and I notice things that other people wouldn't, and it can kind of pull me out of it a little bit. Yeah, I bet. I mean, whenever you're in, super involved in something, like when you just see like a rough corner that maybe people wouldn't notice, it just, oh, it just tears at you. you know, or you're impressed by something, and you want to figure out how they did it. Oh, it makes you jealous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a good way. I mean, yeah. I get I get jealous about apps now in a good way. Yeah. Like, man, I wish I'd done that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what about iOS games? Do you do you play any iOS games? So iOS games, I actually I. Yeah, definitely. Uh, pretty much anything by Half Brick, I enjoy. Oh, Jetpack Joyride. Oh, it's great. It's yeah. maybe the best iPhone game ever made, in my opinion. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, it's good. Um, even Fruit Ninja, just dead simple. Yep. Like very, they do these zen-like kind of games that are just dead simple and just, I don't know, they connect with me. I've been playing uh, Fish Out of Water recently. Yeah. Which is the, you know, the dumbest idea for a game. And I, I have logged so many hours on that and I don't know why. Like I'll sit there and play it while listening to podcasts, basically. That's exactly what I do because I, um, I track, like I, you know, I have a commute to my day job and, uh, it works for me to listen to shows and play games. Yeah. And I really like the games where there's no there's no like level progression as such. It's mm -hmm. like repetitive action. Um yeah. but is fun repetitive action. Yeah, I enjoyed Fish Out of Water quite a lot on my iPad mini. It works yeah. really, really well on the iPad mini. Yeah, it's nice because you got enough space to actually throw the stuff, right? Yeah, they're a great they're a really, really great independent development studio. They are still independent, aren't they? They have, they have uh, as far as I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and God help us if EA buys them. That would be depressing. I'm really interested to see Plants vs. Zombies 2. Yeah. Because apparently it's a bit freemium-y. Yeah, that's what I read. I, you know, I, it's funny because I heard that and I think I avoided reading a review or a preview of it because I didn't want to get bummed out. <laughs> yeah, I just want to try it and see if I like it. I loved the first one. Oh, I had so a, good. I was fortunate enough that I had like a beta version of the first one before it came out. Oh, wow. 
and I just played the crap out of that game. Like I could not stop playing it on the on the Mac. It was, yeah. it was killer. Yeah. yeah, I played it on the Mac first, and then on iOS. Yeah, and I also think I might have played it on like a console or some description as well. Mm-hmm. And um, a, another great game by PopCap, which is the studio that was bought by EA, as Peggle. Have you ever played Peggle? Uh, yes, I did. That was their first one. Or, sorry, that was not their first one. It was one of their earlier ones. So, yeah. yeah. It was great. One of their most popular ones. That's a absolutely fantastic, fantastic game, and especially on iOS. They make Bejeweled as well. I mean, everybody knows Bejeweled, right? Right. So, yeah, n- now EA has them and is doing whatever they want to do with them. So, before we take a break, and there's so much other stuff, there's so much other stuff I want to talk to you about today. Development project the, the main sort of development project that takes up your time these days is Napkin, right? Yeah. What yeah. is what uh, is Napkin? What is it? Mm. Um, it's a tool for quickly annotating images. Um, one of the things I do, I mean, I work remotely, I work from home, and one of the things that comes up frequently is that we need to mark up um, screenshots or mockups and uh, sort of communicate ideas quickly back and forth. So Napkin's a tool for very very quickly making nice looking. Uh, sort of visual notes to, to one another that you can share very quickly between team members. So is it like mainly focused at like developers or anything like designers? Developers and designers, that's, I mean, that was the, the itch that we scratched basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've since got a lot of other uses. Uh, a lot of people who do help, uh, like either training sure. or online help stuff end up using it. Um, and we've had other stuff like lawyers will use it or, you know, doctors or anybody that needs to mark up images quickly, sort of. So it's cool. It's, it's been well-received and broader, and it's got a broader audience than, I, than we sort of anticipated when we built it. Did, you, did it kind of come out of a scratch-your-own-itch type of, type of place for you? Pretty much, yeah. It came out from that, and it started years ago as, as like, it was kind of my... Um, not practice project, but it was like it was my little play space on on the Mac where I just try implementing a bunch of ideas. Uh, the the sort of the chief thing is that you can just kind of draw on the canvas and like in a, in a scribble shape, and it'll form a square or or a circle or a callout for you. Like it'll automatically infer what kind of shape you want it based on the the scribble that you do. Um, and I just kind of wanted to implement that. And originally, and this was before the iPad. Originally, it was kind of the UI was kind of trying to bring a lot of stuff that iOS was doing over to the Mac and just see how that would fit in that world. And it ended up looking a lot like um, what the iPad ended up being with like popovers and controls inside popovers and that kind of stuff. Um, eventually, when, when I joined up with Chris and we decided to turn it into a product, we ended up re-examining all of that and yanking it and putting a bunch of stuff that looks... It's far more like an iWork app now. Than uh, than a like an iOS app, if that makes sense. So Napkin is forty dollars. Yeah. Is I wonder like because I I feel like I'm not as in tune with the Mac App Store on a pricing mm-hmm. basis these days. Mm-hmm. Um, how does a forty dollar app perform in the App Store? Uh, well, it's done okay for us. Um, I don't I don't know I don't I mean. We did really well when we launched. Yeah. Uh, now not so well, and well, not so well. Now, now we're not um, way up in the in the rankings or anything. And part of the reason is because a yeah, it's a forty dollar app, but the other one is that we haven't been doing any press yet because we need our um, we want our website to explain what the app is better, and we ideally would get a demo version. The demo version is a little bit problematic because of uh, we use iCloud. So you need to be through the Mac App Store there. So we're trying to work out what we could do with that kind of stuff. You know, so there's there's some issues around that. Uh, but I honestly think that people should price their software in order to support software. Uh, I, I don't like playing games with it. Like, I, like while Apple can charge whatever it is nine ninety nine for pages, that's not tenable for a small developer because uh, you're simply not going to do those kind of numbers. And for what Napkin does, it easily, it's easily worth 40 bucks to, to people who use it constantly. 
if you sorry go ahead if that's i mean i appreciate that and i applaud that sort of thinking in a developer like not to just chase the lowest possible price but to charge their app fairly for what they believe it's worth mm-hmm. i think that that is a i feel like you, you know that's a a better way to to treat your own work well it's treating your own work it's also um I I honestly think it's treating the users better, um, because we you know we've got a long plan for this and we keep bringing out new updates and they just keep getting I mean it's all free right so yeah they're getting a better and better app we haven't just dumped it like if we'd done the same number of unit sales and we'd charged like a fourth of the price it would be untenable for us to be working on this at all yeah you wouldn't be able to support it either right right exactly and as it is you know people who buy it tend to research it and we get really good reviews. Uh, if it was like dirt cheap, people would just be maybe just buying it and just it's maybe if it's not necessarily something that they expected or wanted for it, they would just trash it in the review, review. So Yeah, like they were looking for Microsoft Paint. Yeah, and we do have a few of those and I do feel bad for people which is another reason I want to get the, the website more robust so we could explain the product a little bit more because it's a bit of it, 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 it's its own thing that I don't really there's nothing really competitive with it per se. You could do the kinds of things in Sketch, but not the same way and not as elegantly, and the output doesn't look as good. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I do feel bad if people have a misunderstanding misunderstanding of what the of what the product is. Uh, but there's no mechanism through which we can say sorry to them on the App Store. So just kind of have to feel bad about that. Um, <laughs> which is another reason why you know we'd want a demo. But mostly, like the feedback's great, and I think it's because you know it's it's a tool that uh, does what people. It's very focused. Like we threw out a bunch of stuff, and we focused on getting you know getting the job done, and I think people appreciate that. So I want to take a, a quick break um, to thank our sponsor. When we come back on the other side, I want to talk to you about Singleton. Great. Yeah. So this episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the only one platform that makes it easy to create your own website for a free trial and 10% off. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TALLYHO. Squarespace is a site that, and they are a site building system, is a platform that I really, really love and have used for a long time. And, and I love them because they continue to add new features, designs, and, and they continue to sort of beef up their support. And that's the kind of stuff that I like with a, a, you know, a product that I'm in for the long term and I've been hosting sites of my own on there for such a long time Um, years and years and years uh, before we had any sort of affiliation with them from sponsorship because it's a product that I love they take care of hosting they take care of things like SEO image versioning they make sure that my website is responsive and it looks amazing on any device this is stuff that I don't really have the knowledge for um, or I don't want to take the time to learn, or it's you know I just want to be able to save time, save hassle, and just create something that's going to look fantastic. And that's what Squarespace allows me to do. It's really, really easy to use, and they have a great support team as well that are available 24-7. So if you need any help at all with any Squarespace site, they will be able to just be there. They're on hand, and they have great knowledge base articles and FAQs and all of that sort of stuff to help support all of that as well. Um, if you're wondering if Squarespace is the right uh, platform for the type of work you want to do on the internet, maybe you are a musician or a podcaster or you have a portfolio or you want to create a blog, if you go to squarespace.com, you will be able to see that they have loads of really cool little videos which show off how Squarespace can be used for different types of creative work. And you can click like the left and right arrows on the on the page over at squarespace.com and you can take a look at all of them there. They're really cool and, and fun to watch. And while you're at squarespace.com, while you're at that website watching those videos, sign up for a free trial and try it out for yourself. There's no credit card required to do that. And Squarespace plans start to eight dollars a month if you decide to purchase. And they include a free domain name as well if you sign up for one of their annual plans. But don't forget that you can help support Command Space and Five by Five and get 10% off for yourself if you use the code TALLYHO. Um, last week, I mentioned on the show that I wanted to uh, to bring some of our listeners who have, have set up sites over on Squarespace. I wanted to, to feature some of them. Um, so we have a couple here that I'm going to put in the show notes today. I have Geeks with Juniors, um, which is a site that was set up on Squarespace. And I also have althaven.com. They'll both be in the show notes, and you can see they're like 
totally different sites. So both blogs. One is about um, Geeks of Juniors is about it's a web blog for geeks about parenting and technology. Um, and then althaven.com, which is a uh, a blog, which is it's a blog. You've got photography pages, so you can see some of the cool gallery stuff that Squarespace has as well. This is a really, really nice site. They both look totally different. They both look fantastic. And it just shows you just how uh, flexible Squarespace's platform can be. So if you have a site that you set up on Squarespace through listening to the show and you, you listen every week and you love Squarespace and you want to have your site featured... Um, just send me a tweet um, at imike, I-M-Y-K-E, and throw Squarespace in there too, that at Squarespace. Tell them you listen to the show and you set up a Squarespace site and uh, it may get featured on a future episode of Command Space. So thank you to Squarespace for their support of the show and of 5 by 5 So Guy, tell me about Singleton. Um, so Singleton is a conference that uh, I put on with my partners, uh, Luke Vandal and Scott Morrison, here in Montreal uh, each fall. It's focused on sort of the independent uh, Apple community. Um, it kind of, it's, it's, you know, the, this, its spiritual ancestor would have to be Wolf Wrench's uh, C4 conference that he held in Chicago for a number of years, which is a, you know, huge for in terms of getting people together and uh, sharing ideas, um, both technical and in terms of the way that independents run their businesses. And originally, uh, we basically wanted to just have a party on the East Coast because <laughs> there's a bunch of people in Boston and New York and from Toronto and all that. And we, the idea was like, well, why don't we just get together and, and have a Cocoa Heads, which is basically a you know, a community, like a small independent community get-together kind of thing. Then we realized that if people were going to travel, we kind of needed them to have an excuse to do so. So we thought we should have some sessions. And from that, we got the first uh, Singleton because we just kept expanding what we what we thought it was going to be, you know. Um, and we're on our third year now, and it's, it's going really well. I'm very, very pleased with the way it's turned out. You've just announced year three. Is available. Yep. So no, it's not available now. But yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, between October 11th and the 13th th- this year. Uh, we're in a bit of a sticky situation in that we've got about 110 to 120 seats that we can accommodate, mm-hmm. um, and we had 1,300 people on our mailing list. Wow. Yeah. So you know, it's kind of tricky in how we. You know, we we're going to disappoint a lot of people. Yeah, and we can't really, you know, I, I, there's no there's no way around it. At some point, somebody's going to be sad that they missed out. But we we, we you know we do our best. I was because I couldn't. Make it. <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to come, and uh, yeah. but it's simply because I've went to WWDC. Yeah, and I'm going to XOXO, and I just I can't afford another trip across halfway across the world. <laughs> This oh year, yeah, yeah. You know? no, of course not. Because no. uh, that—that's the that thing. That seems like like it'd be a great place to go to. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm super looking forward to that conference. Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's got to cost. Wait, where, you're in London, right? Yeah, I live in London. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to cost a fortune to get up there. Yeah, I mean, looking at about two thousand dollars per trip, just sort of flights and accommodation. Yeah. So that yeah. that adds up. Um, yeah, a little it, bit. Yeah. <laughs> to, to do it three times in a year, that's not happening. But what what is Singleton's focus? So each year we tick, we we pick a different topic. Um, originally, and and one of the reasons it was called Singleton uh, was because we thought we were going to have one of them. Ha <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> Jokes on us. Uh, and so the first year. The, the topic was that, uh, that we were at an inflection point. And it was really sort of the first year that it was very, very clear that iOS was the major thing. Uh, the Mac was basically going to go the way of iOS. I think they had just announced the Mac App Store. It was, it was around the same sort of time, like around that period where it was quite clear that the future of people's businesses was going to change. Uh, you were going to need to be selling through an App Store. Uh, prices were going to have to drop. Um, there was sort of the rise of what I what I was calling pop software at the time, which is sort of more cut down, more user, like less features and more sort of bubbly and bouncy and interactive uh, software. 
like sort of the, the iOS aesthetic sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and more people are going to be buying it. Uh, and not the same kind of customers that, that we were accustomed to as, as indies. Like just totally people who never would have thought about buying software before will now start buying, you know, software. Um, so what the goal was, was to get a bunch of people together and, you know, sort of talk that through. Like, what does that mean for our businesses? What does that mean for our software? What does that mean for the way we think about design, uh, the way we think about our customers? Um, and sort of like, we don't cover, you know, we won't be doing core animation one-on-one. We won't be covering, we never cover specific technologies and we don't do anything very super tech focused. We're more of a high level uh, discussion than, than, a, than a lecture series, if that makes sense. Mm. This year, uh, this, this, yeah, this, so this year we're doing, uh, what are the core values? Um, given that everything changes and everything has been changing and is in a state of flux, um, what won't you compromise? Like when you have to make a set of decisions, what what are the core pegs that that you you know that are immutable to you, both in terms of your business, in terms of your app design, in terms of code design, you know, and even you know in terms of graphic design. Like what what's the most important thing to you? Does that explain it? It does indeed. <laughs> And uh, one of my favorite things that you guys do is you put all of the videos on Vimeo. Yes. All of the yeah, talks. we're very, I'm very, very proud of that. Uh, I love it. I've, I've watched many. Uh, they're, they're all good. We have blessed with amazing speakers. Um, we're very proud of that because like it, it's, it, it, we, we, it's a community-minded thing. We don't actually make money off of this. Uh, the The all of the money in the tickets basically just goes to paying for the venue and we have some very n- nice food. Like we try to do stuff on a very nice high end, like kind of, kind of way. Um, so it's super gratifying to me that, that all of our speakers have just agreed to let their videos, you know, show up for free on the web. Uh, cause I think there's a huge amount of value there. Like last year, uh, Jurowitz, Mike Jurowitz, uh, was talking about software pricing, which kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with napkin. Uh, and that's, an, it's a terrific talk. And if you're ever thinking of pricing a piece of software, go watch that video and then go read his like eight page blog article that, that goes more in depth on it. Um, I, I'm super proud. And there's so many good videos there that I sort of implore everybody to just go check them out. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes too, which people can find at 5x5.tv slash cmdspace slash 54. Um, I've watched like half of each year's videos. Um, yeah. Some of them more than once. Like Marcos, oh yeah, some of them are great. Yeah. Marcos I mean, is really good. Jason Snell's was amazing from 2012. Yeah, uh, Jason did a great job. Uh, even if you go back to 2011, yeah. uh, Goober did the keynote. Mm-hmm. And John did a, a, this was like the week after Steve died, Steve Jobs died. Uh, and it, it's remarkably sort of prescient and, and interesting talk about the way that he sees Apple going. And you can go back now and look at it and be like, yeah, well, that's why he's John Gruber. Kind of kind of made a lot of sense and it's kind of the way things have panned out. Dan Morris is really good too. Oh yeah, he's great. He's actually, he's our running joke. Hi, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> he's a... Uh, He's closed every year. He, he does like a funny sort of thing on uh, Sunday mornings. So he's back again this year. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of, I love that guy. He's, he's a good friend of mine. Um, I kind of feel like we're screwing him a little bit because the previous year's speakers are invited back and we just give them a free ticket. Um, that's part of the thank you for, you know, being such an awesome person to, to come speak for us. But Dan's spoken three years in a row. So he keeps screwing himself out of like a free pass. Yeah, like he has to keep coming to work. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe he's yeah. worried that you know you you won't let him back. Well, yeah, exactly. Just refuse to have him back. So I mean, I know that you know you're approaching the third conference, but do you plan to continue Singleton? You know, people keep asking that. Uh, sure. 
yeah. I guess it's difficult to know, right? I mean, if something terrible happens at this one, like, you know, not that it oh, would, but... It would, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it would take something really sort of... To... All of our attendees and all of our speakers are so awesome that I don't anticipate anything like that happening. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't imagine that. If if it stopped, it would be because we just don't have the time or sure. like I'm just, you know, super stressed or something. Like it, it, it would be, or if we just can't have an idea. Like I, I think if we wanted to put one on and we had no idea what we wanted people to talk about, I think that would probably be a sign that it wasn't pertinent. Um, but since each year we've had a pretty good idea what we want, what people to say, um, you know, I think we're doing okay. Next year I'm going to come. <laughs> have my word on yeah, it. start saving up for that cross-Atlantic yeah. cross flight. I'll make that one of my decisions, right? So I'll go to WWTC next year in Singleton. That'd be great. I'd love to have you. So uh, you also, one, one of your other endeavors, you host a fantastic podcast um, called Debug with Rene yeah. Ricci. Yeah. Um, what is Debug? Um... It's funny because Renee approached me when I was thinking about doing. I mean, everybody's got a podcast these days. Yeah, I mean, uh, but they're great though, right? Not, we not love a, podcasts. <laughs> not, not as good as this one. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I just I, I kind of had the idea, and Renee approached me. He's like, "Look, we do Iterate, which is their design-focused podcast," um, and he wanted to know if I wanted to host um, a sort of a development-centric one. And I I already had the name. I was like, okay, okay, yeah, let's do it. Uh, that has been a blast. That's been way more fun than I thought it was going to be. What we do each week is we have, um, or every two weeks, uh, we interview an interesting developer. Um, and we've had all kinds of cool people. We had uh, Jordan Mechner from the guy who made uh, Karateka. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had Don Melton, the guy that made WebKit. Uh, David Gelfman, who did PostScript 2 and basically all of the printing and, and a lot of the imaging stuff that's in OS X and uh, iOS. Like, we, we're, we've been blessed with really, really remarkably great guests, and I get to talk to them, which like, blows my mind. <laughs> I can 100% sympathize with that statement. Yeah, you have amazing guests. I mean, present company excluded. You have oh. great guests on this show. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky. Yeah. I'm very lucky, and uh, I've got, in a rare feat of wonder to me, I'm booked for the next two months. Wow. Um, and I've got great, really, really great guests coming up. Um, I usually would book about a month, but sometimes I like go on like a crazy email spree, yeah. and I'm like, I'll, I'll, I have a list of people, like I just write down, oh, I want to get such and such, such and such, and then I'm like, right, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to find these people's email addresses, and then I'll send out loads and loads of like sort of invitations and I've never had anybody say no I've had people that didn't respond but nobody's ever been like mm. I'm not coming on that show <laughs> but uh, I, I tend to have I've had very good luck there's only a few people that I've that I've really wanted that I've not been able to get yeah well you know it's the way things go some people just don't like speaking yes exactly like podcasts can intimidate people yeah I think I, the first one I did I was kind of like yeah I didn't know if I wanted to do it it is a very strange thing right you're just talking into your microphone or into your computer, or into your phone, um, mm. as somebody that you can't see, that you've maybe never met, but yet you have to, you know, you're expected to talk to them for an hour. It's, yeah. it's strange. Yeah. But luckily, um, pretty much everyone that, that I speak to tends to have a show, or has been on yeah. one, because everybody has one now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How much time um, do you spend preparing for debug? It's funny, I was just about to ask you the exact same question. Huh. Uh, way, way a lot of time. Like, more than makes sense for me in terms of how busy I am doing it, all my other stuff. Um, I, I, like, I'm just excited to speak to these people. And so, I, I, you know, I do a ton of research. I, I really want to know pretty much everything there is to know about somebody so that as they're discussing their life or their development, I, I can play along in my head I don't actually end up using a lot of it mm -hmm. you know it's not like I have a script of what I'm going to say and go from question to question um, but I want to know what they've worked on I want to know where they've worked especially if you're talking to somebody like um, like Don Melton or, or David Gelfman these guys I mean they're both retired from Apple now and they've had long careers and they've done a lot of interesting stuff in a lot of places uh, 
And so I want to get, you know, not just a resume, but sort of a history and what was going on in the industry at the time. You know, if you were at Adobe in the late 80s, early 90s, what does that mean in terms of uh, how the company is positioned? And, you know, is it an up and coming or is it established? Is it, you know, who is it? Partners? There's just a ton of research. And I'm fascinated by it and I love doing it. How about you? Do you do a lot of research for guests? I do. Um, You were saying before the show you couldn't find anything about me. Yeah, you were a difficult one to research, but... um, Luckily, I, you know, I, I listened to Debug and, and I've, I've sort of followed you for a, for a while, so I, yeah. I know a bit about you anyway. But um, yeah. and we know a lot of the same people too. So. Exactly. I mean, but trying to find, like, I was trying to find what games you'd worked on previously, mm. and that was difficult because I knew that I, as I say, I didn't know what companies you'd worked for either, except uh, Tabulous. So I was trying right. to look at that. Yeah. But, yeah, and I don't talk about that that much because it's not yeah. really all that pertinent. I mean, most of the time I'm talking Mac Circle, so it's not exactly. really that pertinant. There is something out there, like, I forget, Moby Games maybe? It's like an IMDB for games. I will remember that now because now, I, now I can find you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, it, it probably doesn't have me listed as credits because I think a lot of the time uh, you have to go and add yourself and I, I've never bothered. <laughs> so so I, I kind of, like I outline... Um, I have an outline for every episode, um, which has questions, and I don't follow it religiously. Uh, I move things around, but that's where I it, I keep the conversation flowing by the fact that I know what my next question is. Um, right. And I mean, I don't, it, it it really does depend. I mean, it maybe is about like twenty thirty minutes of like hardcore prep. You know, sitting actually writing the outline, and it gets easier like the longer you go on. Like I know that if I have such if I have X topic, mm-hmm. I might want to ask sort of Y and Z questions about that. And those, those right. sub-questions tend to be quite similar if the topic is the same. Yeah, and you've, you've practiced on it too, right? Yeah, so, I, I've been doing it for a long time. So Yeah, and that, you get somebody like Merlin, like, forget it. You just <laughs> you say three words and he's gone for like an hour. Like, yeah, there was one episode yeah. that, that like, the last episode I did with Merlin, um, I'll, I'll find it and put it in the show notes. And uh, we... We had arranged for him to be on the show like three hours before he was on mm-hmm. because I had a guest drop out um, and I was like, oh, there's not going to be a show this week. And then he DM'd me and he was like, I'm free. I'm like, great, let's do it. <laughs> Luckily for me, he'd posted his sort of, um, like the follow-up to Inbox Zero post. I can't remember what it was called off the top of my head. Did you oh, remember yeah. that recently? Yeah. yeah. He posted that like the day before. So I was like, well, now I know what I'm starting with. But then we effectively just... <laughs> I, he just came on the phone and we just started recording. Like, it was episode 43. Um, I didn't have any questions. We just spoke. And there wasn't even, like, a, a real intro to that show as such. Mm-hmm. And I ended up putting, like, a lot of the pre-conversation that we had on the end. Because, yeah, okay. because we were just we were just chatting. And it kind of turned into, like, a pseudo back-to-work episode. But that's because oh, he's so good at just speaking extemporaneously. Yeah, though. he can just go. Yeah. Like I mean, he's he's extremely talented like that. And and I guess for me now with my practice, I can interview practically anybody now. Mm. You know, because I I know what it takes to ask interview questions and and stuff like that. I don't know when this became me talking about me. You, well, uh, here's the funny thing: every podcast I'm on, I end up just interviewing the person. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just kind of, I think it's just what I do naturally. I, I don't know if it's a defense mechanism or not. Um, but w- did you get into doing a de- um, into an interview show because you liked interviewing people, or like what was the idea for this show? I know it came up from the other show. But. It it just naturally happened. So yeah. I the, this show came from a show called The Bro Show, which was the first podcast that I'd ever done, which I started in two thousand and ten. We had a guest on the sixteenth episode, which was Patrick Rohn of Minimal Mac. Then it went on a little while, then we had another guest. And then that show just then morphed into having a guest every Mm -hmm. week. That was just part of the show. There was me, my buddy Terry, and we had a guest. Um, Then, you know, we launched 70 Decibels, um, and I wanted to to rebrand the show. I wanted to relaunch the show and make it much more of a focused interview show. Because I'd, at that point, like the way that the brochure would work is we'd have an interview and then we'd talk about tech news. So we'd talk about the guest with the guest and then we would then we would talk about the latest tech news. But I wanted to get out of the talking about tech news bit. Because it's been done? Just because it wasn't interesting to me at that time. Mm-hmm. Like, because the show was then 
reliant on there being news. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And sometimes Slow news week for that kind of thing just stinks. I mean, what are you going to do? There was like months of the year where I didn't have anything interesting to talk about with people. And so then I started to have to come up with topics, which, mm-hmm. and, and it was fine to do that, but it, it just became like I was much more interested in the interview portion. So I decided to refocus the show mm-hmm. one year ago. Um, and yeah, and, and Command Space has been really successful for me. Yeah. Well, it's been good. It's been a good year. I I started listening regularly when you went to Command Space. I didn't. Know I would that. listen to the old show every now and then. Did not. But know I think that. usually only when I knew the guest. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what a lot of people do, and that's that is sort of standard with an with a show of this type. Mm-hmm. But then the benefit comes from, you know, you, you, I I know what the average audience is now. Mm-hmm. You know, because like, and and there's a benefit sometimes in somebody not promoting the fact that they're on the show, because then you know you're just going to get the people that that listen every week. So oh, I, interesting. I, I know what that base is now because you know we've had some people that, yeah, you know, it's it's not an issue. Like I don't ever ask anybody to to promote the show. They don't need to. It's, you know, this is they are already and you are already being gracious and giving me your time for free. To yeah, you're very show. lucky. You know, and so at that point, I am very lucky to be speaking to Mr. Guy English. <laughs> and uh, and so then, you know, you learn that and then I don't know why I got onto that point. But yeah, it's interesting that, you know, because you start to learn from there and then people listen. And, and I, just, I just find the interview show mentality really interesting. And I'd say, mm-hmm. I know that people don't listen every week, but I think that it, my sort of goal is to make a show where people listen because they know they're going to get a good show rather mm-hmm. than caring who the guest is. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a good way to go. I mean, if you can tease interesting stuff out of somebody that uh, maybe the audience doesn't necessarily know. I mean, like you had a, like, your show with uh, Serenity Caldwell. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people care that much about EPUB stuff. But again, she was a speaker at uh, last year's uh, Singleton. And there's a, it's a fascinating little world that people don't necessarily know a lot about. And you had a, a really interesting discussion about it. So It was the talk at, I watched her talk at Singleton and decided and knew that she needed to be on the show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that was one of the ones that I watched and it helped me a lot. That's great, yeah. Guy, yeah, it has been great to talk to you. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks well, a lot for having me. No, it's been a pleasure, absolute pleasure. Where can people, uh, where, where's a good place to keep in touch with you, see what you're up to? No, I'm on, on Twitter, I'm at GTE, uh, and I write occasionally at kickingbear.com, and my company is called aged-and-distilled.com, and we make an app called Napkin. Awesome stuff. Thanks so much, man. Thank you. Oh, yeah, and there's Debug. And yeah, of course. <laughs> that, that'll be in the show notes, don't worry. So, uh, cool, thanks a lot, man. It's been, it's been a blast. Thank you, and you can find you can keep in touch with me online if you'd like. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E, and I'll be back with you next week. But before I wrap up, thank you to all of you that have listened to this show over the last year. Um, I really appreciate it. As I said a minute ago, the show's been a great success, and that is thanks to all of you for listening every week. And it really does mean a lot to me when people get in touch and they say that they love the show and, and that sort of stuff. It makes it all worthwhile. So thank you so much for tuning in every week. And uh, here's to many more years because, I mean, I'm not stopping for anyone. So <laughs> I'm just going to keep on going. So thank you very much. You can find the show notes for this episode over at 5x5.tv slash command space cmdspace slash 54. Um, until next time, till next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>